Welcome to In Asia from the Asia Foundation. I'm John Rieger. And I'm Tracy Yang. Well, we don't have to look far to find wealthy, developed nations that have bungled their chance to manage the coronavirus. But a poor and embattled country like Afghanistan has no opportunities to waste. With its economy dependent on dwindling foreign aid and its political system battered by conflict, Afghanistan appears to be facing COVID-19 with an empty toolkit. Abdullah Ahmadzai, the Asia Foundation's country representative in Afghanistan, has written a sympathetic and harrowing account of the country's predicament for this week's In Asia blog. And he joins us now from Kabul, where it is 7.30 in the morning. Abdullah, thank you for getting up early. Good evening, John. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak to you. In your essay this week, you break with the usual style of third-person reporting to speak of the Afghan people as we. It must be painful to see this pandemic added to your country's litany of troubles. How vulnerable is Afghanistan to COVID-19? Thank you, John. Yes, exactly. Uh, When I basically speak about Afghanistan and Afghans, I refer to the country and to the people as we. For Afghans, the main issue throughout these years have been active conflict, uh, suicide attacks, explosions. But this was something like an invisible enemy that people didn't really have a full grasp over. As soon as the news uh, broke out about uh, how deadly this virus is, people started spreading rumors about what might be effective in preventing it. People were promoting a drinking of black tea as something that could prevent or help human bodies fight uh, the coronavirus. Wait, tea? Black tea. It um, was so widely consumed in uh, Afghanistan that uh, the price of black tea suddenly increased by 50%. But because of desperation and the fact that our governance uh, infrastructure is uh, so basic that it cannot reach the whole population. Awareness raising campaigns were not as effective as uh, one would expect. So naturally, people would turn to the traditional healers more than the government medical care centers. A, because the uh, Afghan government lacks the uh, capacity, testing capacity. And secondly, The traditional mechanisms of promoting a certain idea or concept seems to be much more effective in Afghanistan compared to modern mediums of uh, awareness raising. So has the government taken any effective steps to deal with the virus? Are lockdowns a viable solution, for example? Uh, I think the Afghan government did make a wise decision early in March about semi-lockdowns and promoting safety precautions, uh, social distancing and and everything related to that. But obviously, as in any other society, it's true that uh, people's cooperation is a prerequisite for any government guidance to be implemented. In this case, a combination of lack of awareness uh, and poverty really uh, resulted in lockdowns not being as effective as one would expect. How does poverty play into this as a factor? When you have a virus outbreak and people need to, uh, they mostly rely on daily wages for them to survive. Otherwise, a lockdown without any subsidy or support to them for, for people to be able to survive would naturally result in people just continuing with the normal daily routine so that they can uh, make a living. So I think it was out of desperation that people were unable to 
socially distance themselves from each other simply because they had to go to work to survive. So poverty did play a major role, I believe. In your uh, essay this week, you actually cite the government's own figures that show that uh, I think 52% of the population lives below the poverty line and 45% live in a state of chronic food insecurity. So that's a very, really a very tenuous position to be in to then be asked to stay home. Exactly. Expecting them to stay home without really giving them the, the basic support uh, for them to be able to survive, it's impossible. So what can Afghanistan realistically do to move forward? What is the game plan for COVID-19 in Afghanistan? As we look at the uh, situation and the way it has been handled in the last three months, it seems like there is not much of an effective measures that the Afghan government could take to flatten the curve in Afghanistan. With the situation as it stands right now, uh, herd immunity seems to be the way forward. And uh, as as we know, in developed uh, societies, around 70% of the population have to contract the virus. 70% of the population would be how many people? Well, statistics in Afghanistan are always a best guess because we don't really have reliable data. But it's roughly estimated that the country's population is around 35 million. So if we're talking about 70 percent, then it's around 24 to 25 million people that would need to contract the virus. Obviously, this costs in uh, lives. But at the end of the day, I think what can be done is to minimize its devastating impact on Afghans by all our political actors, civil society and businesses coming together, getting united uh, with one key objective, and that is to minimize the impact of COVID-19 on Afghans in the long run. Abdullah, these are some extremely gloomy observations that you're making. Yet, incredibly, in your essay, you do find some silver linings. So are there really reasons for optimism? Well, yes. uh, I think the silver lining here is also the fact that it has certainly played a role in our electoral disputes with our recent presidential elections. Uh, The two leading candidates had a long-standing dispute that was recently resolved. And while I believe this was not necessarily only because of the sense of urgency needed to uh, address uh, the COVID-19 related issues, it certainly played a role. We also see some progress with regards to the peace talks between the Afghan government and the Taliban. I think recently they agreed to uh, hold their first meeting in uh, Doha. But more importantly, I think cooperation and solidarity has uh, significantly uh, increased in Afghanistan. And and this is true across the country where the rich offers a helping hand to the poor. Recently, a media outlet called Itla Rose called on uh, homeowners to basically either reduce their monthly rent during lockdown to uh, poor tenants or completely uh, waive the rents. A lot of uh, homeowners responded and they were recognized and applauded for the generosity that they have shown. A private bank also announced a program under which they provided food supplies, uh, free food supplies to uh, poor families, 10,000 poor families. 
the Afghan government also joined this campaign and uh, is offering free bread across the country. So we see a sense of cooperation and uh, coming together. It is rather heartbreaking to see how people can come together and support each other in solidarity at the same time that they're confronted by such a dire catastrophe. Absolutely. It's it's really unfortunate. I mean, I have lost track of people really calling me and reporting family losses. The number of deaths being reported is uh, significantly increasing. One of the other issues is the stigma around reporting. People expect communities and relatives to attend funerals. And uh, obviously, when they disclosed that the death was because of COVID-19, then not many people would attend those uh, funerals. It's unfortunate, but a lot of these uh, deaths really remain unreported. Abdul, I'm just curious what the Afghan government and maybe the international community needs to do more. What else needs to be done, in your opinion? I think Afghanistan cannot afford another issue on the table other than responding to COVID-19. We're dealing with declining donor support for Afghanistan. The international military presence is uh, gradually but surely uh, reducing. We're now dealing with encouraging the Taliban to engage in meaningful negotiations with the Afghan state. We're dealing with a worsening economy. Uh, So there are lots of issues that all at once have come to test Afghanistan's capacity to cope with them. I think for political actors, the only priority needs to be how best they can respond to COVID-19 and minimize its impact on people's lives. Abdullah, last question. Uh, Tell us about the Asia Foundation's plans to support pandemic policymaking in Afghanistan. Thank you, John, for this uh, very good question. Uh, Obviously, as the Asia Foundation, we are very well known in Afghanistan for helping uh, policymakers uh, make informed decisions uh, based on uh, public concerns and, and views. So having that history in mind, we basically are planning to uh, conduct a series of multiple surveys between July and December this year to be able to understand what people's concerns are, how the COVID-19 outbreak has uh, affected the economy, and uh, how it has basically uh, impacted all aspects of people's lives, and then share those views and concerns with the Afghan policymakers, the donor community, and the development organizations for them to be able to make informed policy choices to uh, respond to the pandemic in the long run. Abdullah Ahmadzai, thank you for joining us, and um, please keep yourself and your family safe. Thank you, John. Stay well and safe. Thank you, Tracy. And that's all for our show this week. You can read Abdullah's essay right now in the Inasia blog. Until next time, I'm Tracy Yang. And I'm John Rieger. Thanks for listening.